Hey everybody, welcome to the Contiki Podcast, the place to drop by and get double feature film recommendations from some of your favorite artists, musicians, and filmmakers. My name is Eric Mahoney and I will be your host, broadcasting to you from Brooklyn, New York, on a very stormy summer afternoon. On the program today, Scott Crawford, who is a documentary filmmaker. Scott first popped up on my radar uh, years ago with his uh, documentary feature, Salad Days, about the hardcore scene in D.C., which, uh, ironically, we've had a couple of cast members from that film on uh, on this season, uh, Ian McKay and Scott McCloud. It's been kind of a uh, thematic season with the DC guys this week. Um, Scott also has a fantastic new documentary out um, about the history of Cream Magazine, which premieres this Friday, August 7th. I would urge you to check that out. That's going to be a really cool one. It premiered at South by Southwest last year and will be available wide this Friday. Scott brought to the table a very interesting pairing. Um, Most people have kind of gone for the same genre or theme, sometimes filmmaker. Uh, This one is actually about the action that takes place in the film itself, and the reasoning behind it I found uh, to be very fascinating. So I I love this episode. It's a really unique one and one that I think you'll enjoy uh, quite a lot. It's cool to have um, filmmakers on because they typically go a little deeper in terms of the uh, information that is imparted to the audience. So so this is a cool one. This is a cool one, and, and it, it's right in my wheelhouse. So without further ado, let's get into it and hear my conversation with director Scott Crawford. Hey, Scott, it's Eric. Hey, man, how are you? I'm good, thanks. It's funny, um, for, for for whatever reason with these bookings for this this season of the show, um, I'm going to have to... Which, by the way, is out fucking brilliant, by the way. Way to go, man. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been super fun to do. Um, it, it was a way to like kind of keep engaged and keep interviewing people, which I love to do. So it's been fun, man. But So thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Oh, it's um, an honor to be asked. So thank you. Well, it's been DC week in here, so I, it's so I'm, I'm going to have to like uh, spread you guys out. My the, for whatever reason, the first three people I've talked to for the season have been Ian McKay, uh, Scott McCloud, and yourself. <laughs> so, I didn't uh, know you talked to Ian. Ian's Ian's great. What? Okay, I got to ask, what films did Ian choose? Okay, so uh, he didn't. <laughs> In true form, uh, we had a, we had a lengthy email correspondence about this, where uh, where you know I was like, hey man, I'd love to have you on. This is the format, and he was like, that sounds great, but he was like, I'm not I'm not doing a double feature, and I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> he, <laughs> ah, that sounds like yeah. okay. He's I've interviewed him probably six times in my life, and he's um, you know he's one of the best. He's he's great, but I just I just the thought of him comparing two films to me was just so. Not what I see him doing, so that just cracks me up. And yeah, <laughs> and Scott's a, Scott's a great guy. I don't, I can probably figure out what he, I don't know. I, I can kind of picture what his tastes are, but I, I wouldn't know what he what he does. But but he's a good guy too. Yeah, well, we we definitely align on on all things art. It seems like after getting to know him a bit and then having some film conversations. Yeah, we're, we're I think our. Uh, you know, our, our DVD collections are probably about identical. Um, he seems to dig the same stuff. So yeah, we, we, we had a great talk too. So it's been fun, but, um, 
But yeah, I'll have to spread out the DC guys a little bit so it's, it doesn't look like a um, salad days version of a pod, the podcast kind of <laughs> situation. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Well, let's launch in. I, you know, I, I think I think um, you know you shot over your ideas to me, which which I thought were cool because, and this has been one really good thing with the show is that um, luckily everyone has come with different genres and different reasonings and different um, reasons why uh, these you know two films spoke to them or work for them, and and yours uh, were sort of a brand new kind of pairing for the show, which I thought was great. So I'm really excited about it. So, so yeah, give me, give me what your double feature film recommendation is and, uh, you know, briefly explain why, and then we can kind of get into it from there. Okay, great. Yeah, I think, um, so given your, your question about, um, sort of my, my double feature suggestion, um, the world is, uh, you know, um, has been and will continue to be for a while, um, chaotic, um, um, scary, um, uh, terrifying, um, and at times overwhelming. And so it got me thinking because at times I just want to, uh, run away. I think everyone, I think that's human nature, right? When it's like, you know, fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And so that got me thinking about car cases. Because ultimately, car chases are about escaping something, whatever the situation is, or you know, getting away, chasing after something, or, or getting away from something. In my case, it, it got me thinking about getting away. So that sort of led me to then think about some of the best car chases that I'd seen in, 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 in film. And I should also note that over the last couple of months with the COVID and, and spending so much more time in, inside, I've been kind of going back and revisiting a lot of films that um, meant something to me at, at various points in my life, but that mm-hmm. I knew I would understand differently now as a middle-aged man. And so those two films were Bullet and The French Connection. And those two films um, have a lot of similarities, but the the one thing that, of course, you know, pulls them together is that is the chase scene. Okay, the car chase scene. They both share some of the most, uh, probably the the two most well known or talked about, written about chase scenes, car chase scenes in cinematic you know history. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, seminal, seminal car chase scenes. Yeah, I mean every every film school uh, has a has a day, <laughs> you know, uh, on on the French Connection for sure, and uh, in particular that 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 chase for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Because I mean, and, and I'll get into some of that in a second. And I think the other thing that um, that struck me is that both bullet. And the French Connection, you know, both had sort of anti-heroes as main characters. Um, so uh, that always appeals to me, obviously. So in the case of Bullet, Steve McQueen played Frank Bullet, uh, who is just, um, had impeccable style. I mean, the guys, I mean, turtleneck, blazer, jeans, um, 
you know, he wore the, um, you know, the, um, oh, what am I thinking of? The um, Clark boots, like Clark's, like the, the, the boots. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he just looked like a badass, you know? And said very little through the film. I mean, Steve McQueen was not really known. I mean, you know, he, he did a lot with just his, just his eyes, just his facial expressions. He wasn't known for being, you know, the most verbal actor of all time. Detective Lieutenant Frank Bullitt, some other kind of cop. Pity the guy he works for. Lieutenant, don't try to evade the responsibility. In your parlance, you blew it. What the hell is going on here? A high-speed pursuit? Two men are killed? An officer in the hospital? A witness almost murdered? Do you let anything reach you? I mean, really reach you? Or are you so used to it by now that nothing really touches you? You're living in a sewer, Frank. Day after day. With you, living with violence is a way of life. Living with violence and death. Frank Bullet swinging, you know he's heading for a crash with that wall of official disapproval. So he plays, uh, he, you know, that that's his character. And then you, and that was 1968. And then you've got um, uh, Gene Hackman, who played Popeye Doyle. Uh, and that was in, you know, 1971. And uh, Bullet was based in San Francisco. Uh, French Connection was based in New York City. Um, so, you know, the, the great thing about, so you've got obviously two great locations for, for potential car chase scenes. San Francisco because of the hills, you know, because of yeah, the... Yeah, for sure. And, right? And they were driving at speeds of, you know, 70 miles plus uh, of which Steve McQueen actually drove some of some of those scenes. Um, I mean, he was a race car driver as a, you know, that was kind of his passion on the side um, and made a film about it, which was a bomb. But um, so he's doing a lot of driving in a, in a Mustang. Uh, I think it was, it must've been a 67, I believe Mustang. Uh, and that started in the city and then goes out onto the highway. And then the, the, the chase scene kind of ends. The whole thing takes place. It's about a seven, six to seven minute long car chase. Um, and then a few years later when, um, you know, William Friedman started working on the French connection. Um, and he had to realize this is only a few, you know, years, a year or two. That team, you know, their the filmmaking team on the French Connection was like, well, shit, we gotta, you know, we gotta outdo this this bullet car chase. There's no way we can't. We, you know, we we, we gotta we gotta one up it. And how do you one up that car chase? Well, so basically, Freakin's walking around the city one day, and he and he realizes he starts to hear this, you know, the one constant noise you hear in New York City other than the horns and everything else is the sub are the subway trains. So he suddenly it just kind of hits him like, Hey, wait a second. What if we have a car chase, a car chasing a subway train? So the villain is on the subway train and the cop Popeye Doyle, you know, 
played by Gene Hackman, is in the car below. And um, and that and that was like it was like maybe ten minutes. I don't know the exact time, but it was a long car chase with very few um, very few lines. I was really just uh, you know going back and forth between the two. And what I like about that particular car chase is that you had two different dramas going on. You had the the fact that this drug dealer or assassin in the case, I guess, or both, uh, in the case of the French connection had hijacked the train. So you've got this drama that's unfolding on the train, uh, the subway train. And then you've got the drama unfolding below with Popeye Doyle, who, uh, is chasing them below in a, in a car that he's, you know, um, you know, commandeered from, uh, you know, a civilian and he's now driving. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just fascinating. And the funny thing is, is that, um, during that course of that car chase that they really didn't ask for permits at all. Uh, the directing, you know, the, the film team, they just kind of did it. And so, uh, there were a number of accidents during that car chase where you've got Gene Hackman driving and chasing the subway train. And those accidents that you see on in the film were, were real. You can feel the intensity and the, the, the reality of that situation because it is, <laughs> in fact, quite real. I mean, I think that they... You know what I what I remember reading about it is that you know they secured a few permits. They had a couple of like off duty cops that sort of shut down you know uh, traffic a few blocks away. But then it just spilled out, and then then they just kept going. And then they were just like, yeah, well, fuck it, let's just you know let's keep rolling. And man, I mean, watching that film, you can absolutely. I mean, it's just it just you feel like you're white knuckling a steering wheel as you're watching that car chase because you there's no way that what you're watching could be set up. I mean, it, it really looks like they took, they did a guerrilla style street chase through New York City, you know, in, in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> and it reads that way. <laughs> yeah. Literally did. I mean, it was, uh, uh, I think, of a, I could be wrong, but I think it was 26 blocks. Probably, yeah. That's like some 70s filmmaking right there. That's like something that you will not see again. That's not going to happen again. It'll never happen again. It, and the stunt driver no. was Bill Hickman. And the funny thing about the stunt driver, Bill Hickman, is that I, I might have already mentioned this, but he was the, the stunt driver in both films. So, and he said, "All right, take your camera, get in the back seat, and uh, and I'll show you. Let me show you how it's done." And and that's literally what happened. Is you know the director had the only camera um, in that particular car. Um, other, I think there may have been a side camera, but it was really just one camera for the most part in that particular chase i mean the the chase was shot multiple times uh and freaking you know freaking was in the back seat uh and he apparently took it up to 95 miles per hour for 26 blocks so that's pure insanity and um and then of course gene hackman did some of the ex the additional takes and uh and in fact he was the one driving if i remember correctly um in one of those accidents. And he's so, he's just spectacular too, man. I mean, what a performance. And, and this, correct me if I'm wrong, but this, this won all three, this like swept the Oscars, right? Didn't he win for best lead actor and the film won best picture and William Friedkin got best director. I think it like swept everything. It was just like, 
it was it was that film's year for sure. Um, incredible performance, though, man. Yeah, it's so so good and and so apropos of the time, you know, it's just such a great American uh, '70s film. You know, it just has that feel through and through, and it's just yeah, it's, it's dark, has an incredible chase in it. It's it's a, it's really wonderful. Absolutely, and I think you know that's the other thing about that film is that you'd never seen New York City shot that way before. Um, you know, this is 1971. They didn't, you know, this was not like, you know, a Woody Allen's, this was not Woody Allen's New York City. This was like, you know, this was real gritty. You know, there, were, there, was, there was no, I mean, this was, they didn't clean the streets for this shoot. They shot it as it was, you know, because, you know, it, it was in that way, it's very documentary style the way it's shot because it's shot as it appears on the street. Like they didn't, they didn't clean up the trash. They didn't, you know, and so you've got this really gritty bleak, you know, backdrop. Um, and you know, you had some of that in bullet, but it wasn't the same. It was just, um, it was just, you know, two very different, uh, characters. Um, you know, Popeye Doyle, uh, again, played by Gene Hackman, was actually based on a real cop um, whose name was Eddie Egan, and um, and it's almost shocking to me. This is based on on Eddie Egan, who's a real life cop. Popeye Doyle, played by Gene Hackman, was a racist, misogynistic, alcoholic asshole. There was really nothing likable about him at all, um, which makes me wonder why somebody would allow that to be shown on the screen. I think guys like that aren't ashamed of being like that, you know? I, I think they're like, yeah, so what? <laughs> yeah, well, anti-hero is the perfect term. You're absolutely right. They both are. I didn't really think about that connection in both of these films, but they do They do feature anti-heroes in the lead. Circling back to Bullet, too, really quickly. Am I, am I right in... This this had to have been like an early product placement. Didn't Ford um, give them the Mustangs for the Bullet car chase too? Weren't those like provided by Ford as, as like a as like a product placement for the new lines or something? Is that right? I believe I believe you're right, and I think that was the first time that had been done. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean that, that that seems to me like yeah. I mean just off the top of my head, with no actual knowledge of that, that just seems like a time when that was not commonplace. Yeah, when I'm, I, and I don't know how that transpired. I don't know how that film or that or that part of the script got on to Ford's radar, or if they went to them with that, or to knowing that they would have to trash these beautiful new cars or what. But uh, I, I bet you they went to Ford and said, "Hey, look, give a, you know, knowing Steve McQueen, that was probably one of his favorite cars at the time." Um, yeah, and he probably, knowing him, said. I'm driving a Ford Mustang and we're going to buy 10 of them so I can, you know, crash like nine of them and I'll keep the 10th. Um, so, so yeah, um, I, I, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but I'm if I have memory serves, it was one of the first movies where uh, a car manufacturer provided a car specifically. I mean, there may have been, you know, maybe James Bond with Aston Martin. I could be wrong about that. Um, cause I know Aston Martin always played a role in James Bond movies, but, um, but, uh, but certainly in terms of domestic films, I think, I think that was one of the first, you know, when, when you're watching, um, 
not so much with uh, Bullet, um, but with with uh, the French Connection. There's just this sense of danger. There's this sense of it, it's just a like you said, you kind of white knuckled through the whole thing, and Bullet certainly had you know some of that. But I think that film was focused more on um, sort of an aesthetic where uh, that, that was really based around Steve McQueen's character and just the sort of king of cool kind of thing. Whereas um, you, had, you know, I think Peter Yates directed that. Whereas with uh, the French Connection, it was just um, just pure bigotry and he would just you know walk into a bar i don't know if you remember the scene where he walked into that um yeah you know mostly black bar and and just trust people and you know beat the crap out of whoever the hell he wanted to beat you know uh, just for the hell of it all right popeyes here get your hands on your heads get off the bar and get on the wall come on move Move. Come on, sweetheart, move. Come on, move out. All right, come on. Face the window. Move. Face the wall. Turn around there. Turn around. Move. Come on, move. Hands out of your pocket. Turn around. Turn around. Come on, your heart. Come on. Turn around. Come on. Come on, turn around. Get on the wall. Get on the wall. Turn around. Get on the wall. Turn around. Hey, you drop that. Pick it up. Pick it up. Come on, move. What are you looking at? All right, bring it here. Get your hands out of your pockets. What's my name? Doyle. What? Mr. Doyle. Come here. You pick your feet. Do you get over there. Get your hands on your head. Hold them up. We told you people were coming back. We're going to keep coming back here until you clean this bar up. Keep your eye on your neighbor. He dropped something that belongs to you. What is this, a fucking hospital here? Huh? Turn around there, fella. What do we got here, huh? This belong to you? Huh? Stand up there, Nod. And in a way, he was kind of bumbling because he didn't really know half the time. He just said no. Like, you know, he just went with his gut, which was wrong probably 50% of the time. But, um, <laughs> but he made, you know, but he made a lot of people suffer for it. Whereas uh, Steve McQueen was much more of a loner and, 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 and certainly played by his own rules. But uh, um, I kind of like how the end of uh, of bullet uh, and spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it. Should I not expo- Should I not talk about the ending? I think the statute of limitations on a 1968 film ending is, is up. So I, I would say go for it. I think you're right. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> so if you compare the endings of the two films, um, when bullet ends, you see his girlfriend at the time in bed asleep and, you know, he's just got through, you know, doing what he's done. The car chase, he's gotten a bad guy. He's, he, he, he walks in, you know, he's exhausted. He walks into his apartment. He's his girlfriend in his bed. She's asleep. He goes into the bathroom. He washes his face. And he just, when he's done, he looks into the mirror. And he sees his reflection. And the film ends. And it kind of gives you a sense of, like, humanity like he's got like there's something in there like he's not whereas with the french connection in the end gene hackman kills a federal agent thinking he's the bat he's the the drug lord that he's trying to arrest throughout the film 
turns out, of course, it's not him. It's a federal agent. Doesn't barely pauses to even think about what he's just done in pursuit of this drug lord. And the film ends with a gunshot. You just, all you see is uh, sort of this bleak old factory where he's chasing this drug lord from France and you hear a gunshot and then you go to the credits. So it's a much more nihilistic film, you know, like in other words, the, 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 the supposed bad guy who, when you compare him to the cop, to Popeye, to Gene Hackman's character, he slips away. He gets away. He never catches him. And that's how the film ends. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, I think the French Connection has this sort of darker ambiguity about um, the prota- the protagonist, whereas Bullet's a little more slick and a little more Hollywood, um, you know. But they do both feature like those kind of old school, just tough, brutal cop guys that you know ha- have you, you you almost want to assign some sort of uh, better qualities to them than what they're showing you because you do like them in a way but they're not giving you much reason to, <laughs> you know? Uh, so it's, that's interesting. Um, that's very cool, man. I, I, I really like this parent. I really like what you said too, when you kicked it all off about um, thinking about running away. Cause it, on the surface, I thought that you, you sort of selected these uh, car chase scenes um, just simply for the genre of the car chase, which is, which is very interesting in and of itself. But I think paired with um probably all of our collective fight or flight um, reflexes firing on all cylinders right now. I think that's a very interesting reason to pull these up. So thanks for that. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's really, really what got me thinking about it. It's just um, it, what got me there. And then I went down a rabbit hole and started going down other places. But what got me there was watching five easy pieces. Um, oh, and I love that film. Right. And seeing Jack Nicholson at the end, take his wallet. Remember how it ends where mm-hmm. his girlfriend is in the diner and he says, yep. I'll be right back. And he throws his wallet in the trash, gets into a tractor trailer with someone he doesn't know and drives away and the film ends. And as cool as that might seem in terms of that, his girlfriend who, you know, you had sympathy for throughout the film. Um, there is also something strangely romantic about that. Like the idea of just, um, disappearing, getting just, yeah, just disappearing. Just, and, and I find myself, uh, feeling that way. Uh, Sometimes, uh, you know, especially given our, our current climate, um, it's, it's made me want to at some time at, at various times, uh, just disappear. And, you know, you realize you can't do that. That's not reality, but, but that's what films are about. And they're, you know, it's about, um, you know, the things that you can't necessarily do yourself. So you, you lose yourself in these films. And so that's kind of where that went. That's kind of where that started. Yeah. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. I love that film too. Thanks again for being on, man. I, I really do appreciate it. And, um, I'm a big fan, you know, I love the Brainiac doc and, um, I just thought you did such a, such a great film. Oh, thanks man. That's really kind. That's really kind. 
Um, well, listen, I really appreciate you being on again. Uh, you know, it was great to talk to you. And uh, I think the picks are fantastic. You know, best of luck, you know, with the new Cream documentary. I will make sure and, and uh, let everyone know the details about that in my uh, in my wrap up. But um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing that. So best of luck with that film. Stay safe. All right, man. Take care of yourself. You do the same. Take care of yourself, man. All right, man. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. So that's our show. I want to again thank Scott Crawford for being on today. Uh, his picks were Bullet and the French Connection for the car chases and for the escapism. Check out Scott's new documentary, Cream, America's only rock and roll magazine. It will be available this Friday, August 7th. Head on over to creammovie.com for ticket and streaming information. Make sure and follow us at Contiki Podcast on Instagram and stay up to speed on new episodes and double feature film pairings. And follow us on Facebook, backslash Contiki Podcast. Join us next week where we will have an all new double feature film recommendation from one of your favorite artists. And in the meantime, I don't know, hang in there. Stay informed, be kind to one another. You know, let's, uh, let's be cool out there and hope for better days ahead. I'll see you next time. Not